Isaiah 55. Isaiah chapter 55, and we'd like to begin reading with verse number 6. <clears throat> okay, verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. <clears throat> for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that he may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. May we pray. Father, as I bow in your presence, I thank you for the eternal word of God in this day of uncertainty. We're glad there's something we can anchor our faith in we can believe in and know is absolute and true. Now I pray as I bring the message the Spirit of God would enable me to be a help and a blessing. Now Lord you can look in every heart you know what we need today. Help me to say exactly what I need to say and use me for your glory I pray in Jesus name. Amen. <clears throat> well I want to speak to you on the subject of finding God. Now I realize that God's not lost and we're not hunting for God. I don't mean finding God in that sense. But coming to know God, how one comes to know God. The Bible says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Now this indicates that there's a time when you may not be able to find God. Call on him while he may be found. In the book of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus reiterated this truth and I want to find this and read it Matthew 7 verse 13 and 14 page 1004 Matthew 7 verse number 13 enter ye in at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So the Bible teaches that the majority are on the broad way that leads to destruction. And not a whole lot's on the narrow road. Few there be that find it. Finding God. Where do you find God? That's the first question I'd like to try to answer. Where can God be found? Many people don't find God because they don't know where God is. They don't know where to look. First of all, we find God in creation. In the book of uh, Psalm 19, let me just go ahead and turn there, Psalm 19. I think I can quote this, but I'll go ahead and look at it, page 607. Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. You know, we can see the evidence of God around us today, can't we? 
the beautiful colors. Uh, God, uh, you know, you think of all those leaves and they're green, and now they're all different colors as they're turning and beginning to fall off. The heavens declare the glory of God day unto day, utter speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So God has given testimony in creation. Every day, man can look at the creation of God and know that it just didn't happen. You know, it takes uh, a lot of foolish faith to believe in evolution. Evolution says, once I was a tadpole with a tail long and slim. Then I was a frog with my tail tucked in. Then I was a monkey hanging from a tree. Now I am a doctor with a Ph.D. <laughs> that's, that's evolution. You believe that? There was a big bang. And everything just kind of happened on its own. Kind of like taking a watch. Taking a watch and all the little parts of a watch. I've got a, a work watch I've had for years. And uh, uh, the battery went out in it. And my wife took it to Walmart, I think it was, and had a battery put in it and said the seal just fell into pieces. So I took it to the jewelry store and they put a seal in it. It's back in business, but it's been a good one. It's a Seiko. Uh, and, uh, but you, evolution says you take that watch apart and all its tiny parts dump it into a mixture and turn it for several hundred years and lo and behold, out pops a watch for no apparent reason. Uh, evolution makes absolutely no sense. No, no person in their right mind is going to believe in evolution. There was a creator. God's creation testifies to the reality of God. In the book of Romans chapter 1, he says the wrath of God. Let me, just, let me just go ahead and turn there to you. You may want to look at that market. Romans 1, page 1192. Romans 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The creation of God reveals God. And uh, God judges sin. One of the questions I've been asked many times, what about the heathen? What about a person that hadn't heard about Jesus Christ, that hasn't heard the preaching of the gospel, what will happen to that person if they die without being saved? The Bible answers that for us here in Romans 1. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. God judges all sin. Now God's judgment is just and some will be judged more harshly than others. But that person that rejects Jesus Christ will be lost even though they haven't heard about Jesus Christ because they did not respond to creation. 
God has revealed himself in creation. And if man responds to the light that God gives him, God gives him more light. God, you find God in creation, but you don't find salvation out under a tree. You know, some people are worshiping trees and worshiping creation and think they're worshiping God. The New Age philosophy is not true biblical salvation. Then you find God in conscience. Romans chapter 2. Romans 1 says that God has revealed himself in creation. Romans chapter 2 says God's revealed himself in conscience. Romans chapter 2 and verse 14, for when the Gentiles which have not the law but do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law unto themselves which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also bared witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accused and else excusing one another. You know, no matter where you go in the world, there is a consciousness of right and wrong. Now it may be perverted, but people have a consciousness of sin. Even old Bin Laden, as crazy as he is, has a perverted view of God and of, and of, and of right and wrong. And his, his conclusion is that we're the devil and he's got to get rid of the devil. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, man, God, the true God, has revealed himself in conscience. Now someone said, as long as just let your conscience be your guide and you'll be all right. No, don't go there. The Bible said in the days of the judges, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. The problem is we're sinners by nature and that conscience has been affected. But God, God's revealed himself in creation. God's revealed himself in conscience. Then God has revealed himself in Christian. Everyone here today that's saved is saved because of the influence of some, some other Christian that brought us the gospel, that printed a track or, or somehow or another introduced us to Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you the hope of glory. In Ephesians 2.22, we become a habitation of God through the Spirit. Brother Thomason is bringing that out in Sunday school this morning that God in the Old Testament inhabited the tabernacle and later the temple. And then the Bible says God was in Christ. That Christ was the embodiment of God himself. And now God inhabits believers. He lives in, the child, he lives in a Christian. And uh, that's how, where you find God. You want to find God? Find a Christian and you'll find God living within that Christian and revealing himself uh, in, in a righteous life and revealing himself in love and concern for a lost and dying world. Now, we find God in creation, we find God in conscience, we find God in Christians, but you don't find salvation. Just because you're born in a Christian home does not make you, does not save you. I had a lady tell me one time that she had always been a Christian. She was born in a Christian home. People have made statements, am I a Christian? I'm an American, and certainly I'm a Christian. 
But that doesn't make one a Christian, does it? Where do you find God and where do you find salvation? You find it in the canon of Holy Scripture. Let's go back to Psalm 19 where we was looking at a while ago, page 607. And he talks about the heavens declaring the glory of God and God, God revealing himself in creation. But he go, comes on down in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoice in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Moreover, are more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them as thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. You find God more, most clearly in the Word of God, in the written Word of God, and there's where you find salvation. John 5, 39, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. You want to find God? Open the Bible. That's why we're here. That's why I preach the Bible. There's where you find God. That's why I use Scripture. People have commented to me. You use a lot of Scripture in your preaching. After all, isn't that what I'm called to do? Preach the Word. Not preach my opinions or my ideas. Preach the Word. Because there's where the power is. I, I never cease to be amazed when, I, when I'm trying to win someone to Christ. I can talk about a lot of things, but you know what gets the job done? When I give them the Word of God. That's what does the job. The Bible says, being born again, not of crutchable seed, but of incrutchable by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 1 Peter 1, 23. John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The word of God is alive. They said this one preacher took the Bible and laid it down on the street and threw his hat over it. People coming by and said, it's alive, it's alive. There we got a crowd gathered around. He picked up the hat and there laid the word of God. I'll tell you, the Bible is a living book. It is life-giving. The words that I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. Jesus Christ could speak to a dead man and that dead man come back to life by his very words. All he had to do was say the word. That's power, isn't it? In him was life and the life was the light of men. I remember I've shared this story with you many times. Some of you may not have heard it, and I'd like to hear it again myself, so I'm going to tell it. His professor stood in front of his class, and he had uh, two little brown seeds. He explained to the class, he talked about the properties, nitrogen, hydrogen, carbon. And he said, these seeds are identical in appearance, in property, in weight. I have two identical seeds. If I plant these seeds in the ground, one of these seeds will do nothing because the seed was manufactured in a lab. 
But that other seed has something that we call life that we cannot reproduce with all of our knowledge and scientific ability and that little seed will sprout and bring forth new life. I want to tell you, the Word of God produces life. That's the difference. What's the difference between Christianity and Islam or any other false religion in the world? The difference is that the Word of God is life-giving. It produces life. You find God, you want to find God, you'll find Him in the Bible, in the Word of God. Now when? The Bible says, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Some don't find God because they don't know where to look. Some don't find God because they don't know when to look. And the indication is that you may not be always able to find Him. There is a time to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. When do we find God? We find him early. Proverbs 8, 17, those that seek me early shall find me. I have uh, an article of statistics. You realize the majority of people that are saved are saved when they're young. People that wait till they get out of their teenage years very few are ever saved. People in their 70s and 80s almost rarely are saved. I think if I remember, I don't have that article with me, but if I remember, once you get a certain age, only one in 800,000 are saved. The, the, the chances of being saved as a person grows older diminish greatly. Now you would think a man in his 70s and 80s would be the easiest person in the world to win to Christ. They know they don't have long. In fact, I've, I've had people tell me, I know that my days are numbered. I know I can't be here much longer. You'd think a person like that would be knocking on my door saying, show me how to know God. But those are the hardest people in the world to win to Christ. God says, seek me early. Those that seek me early shall find me when your heart's tender and while you have a desire for God. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near, Isaiah says. Hosea 5, 6, They shall go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord, but they shall not find him. He hath withdrawn himself from them. The idea that people can Find God just any time they want to. It's not taught in the Scripture. You can come to God when God calls you. The president, I guess he's still in China. But when he gets back, let's say I go to Washington. We, my wife and I were up there this summer, and he was gone then. <laughs> But let's say I go to Washington and I go out there to the gate where the Secret Service are at and, and I say, I've come to see the president. Who are you? Do you have an appointment? No, but I need to talk to him. They say, I'm sorry, the president is busy and he'll not be able to see you. 
You seek the Lord while he may be found. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter 1, verse 23, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but you have said it not all my counsel. With none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, when your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they that hated knowledge did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Here's a person that said, I don't need God. I don't want God. Get away from me. Leave me alone. And they go on and on and on rejecting God. And then in their time of crisis, they say, oh, Lord, help me. God may not be able to be found. We need to seek God early. And then we need to seek God earnestly. Jeremiah 29, verse 13, And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. God says when you seek God earnestly, God can be found. You know, God knows if we mean business. God knows that we're just pretending. He knows if we're just playing church. He knows if it's real. If a person is earnestly seeking the Lord, the Bible says, With a heart man believeth unto righteousness. With a mouth confession is made unto salvation. I think it was John Rollins who, he said he went to the altar and he promised God, Lord, if you'll save me, he tried to bargain with God. God, if you'll save me, I'll do this and do that and won't do this other. And he said, I never, nothing happened. And then he said, I went back again. And I again tried to bargain with the Lord and nothing happened. And then he said, I went before God, hopelessly lost with nothing to offer God. And says, God, if you don't save me, I'll go to hell. And he says, God took me up and saved me. Nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling. O Lamb of God, I come. We have nothing to offer. We have nothing to bring. But God's willing to accept us dirty and sorry and no count, wicked and vile and sinful. God says, I know that you have nothing and that you're not worth saving, but I love you and I'm going to save you anyway. I'm going to save you just like you are. You find God when you seek him earnestly and then you find God when you come to the end of self. Matthew 10, 39, He that findeth his life shall lose it and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. You know, the problem we have is self, the self-life. You have to come to the end of self. You know what got us in trouble to start with? You know what got the devil in trouble? He said, I'll, I want to be God, basically. I'll be like the Most High. He come to the Garden of Eden and where God had given man everything that man could ever need or ever want or ever desire. 
And God only put down one prohibition. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can have everything else. Everything's provided for you. It's yours for the taking. And the devil comes along and said, basically, God's kept this from you. Because he knows if you, when you take of that, you'll be just like God. You'll be God yourself. Now, he don't want you to have it because he don't want you to be like him. He don't want you to be God. You should be as gods, knowing good and evil. And Adam and Eve fell. Plunged every last one of us under the curse. And we're born only to realize that we one day must die. The curse of sin and death is born with us when we come into this world. All the long-reaching effects of sin and disobedience. God says you have to be born again. We were plunged under that curse. We have to be born out of that. We have to be recreated. And God makes that possible through Jesus Christ. Listen, it's a give us a will. It's a, it's a willing choice that we have to make. A person, the Bible says that if I shall confess to thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Now that's just words. And anybody, the Lord said not many are, you know, uh, many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done this? And many, will, many will give that profession. Oh, they say it with their mouth. But if he's Lord, what does it mean? It means I am willing to come to the end of the self-life and I say, Lord, I turn it over to you. You can take over. You can move in. You can run my life. You can have it. I give it to you. And I'm afraid there are people sitting in church pews going through the motions that have said all the right words and done all the right things but in their heart they've never really turned it over to Jesus Christ and they allowed Jesus Christ to cleanse them of their sin and move in and be Lord of their life Paul on in his famous sermon in Acts 17, Acts chapter 17, Mars Hill, I've stood there where he stood and preached this. Acts 17, page 1173. 1173. I'll not read all this, but he finds this inscription to the unknown God. In verse 27, that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. And then he's verse uh, 32 and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, 
Some mocked and others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. He didn't have a whole lot of success there. They were trying to find God. They had this Parthenon. They had, they had all, these, all these thousands of gods carved out up there. Most of them are gone now. Just some little remains of those idols. One had an inscription to the unknown God in case they'd left somebody's God out. They didn't want to offend anybody. And Paul takes his text, says, this unknown God, I want to introduce him to you. He's the one that keeps you breathing, keeps your heart beating. He's the one that gives life to everything. He's the real God. And you can find him, you can know him. You have to come to the end of self. Then the way, and I'll be through here in a little bit. There's few that find it because they don't know the way. Jesus in John 14 gave that great scripture. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He didn't say I am one of the ways. I am the way. He's the only way. There is to God. And the message brings us to this way is in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ produces salvation. That's what we believe. That's the message. He said, I'm the way. How do you come to know the way? How do you come to know him? You come to know him after you hear the message of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried. What's that got to do with it? That's a picture of our sins being taken away. And he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Why do people die? They die because of sin. You get rid of sin, what happens? You get rid of death. Jesus rose from the dead. That indicates he took my sins upon himself on that cross. My sins killed him. He died on that cross for my sins. He was buried, but he came back to life. That indicates when he came out of the grave, my sins were gone. They were paid for, and so that's what happens when I'm saved. That's the message. In Acts 7, 16, 17, these men are the servants of the Most High God who show unto us the way of salvation. God uses people to show us the way, to bring us the message and point us to Jesus Christ. Finding God. Do you know God? Or do you just know about Him? I grew up in a Christian home. That didn't make me a Christian. Went to church. Didn't make me a Christian. I don't ever remember a time when I did not believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead. Don't ever remember not believing that. I was taught that from a child. I believed he died. I believed he was born of a virgin. I believed he lived a sinless life. I believed he performed the miracles, proving himself to be God. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he was buried. I believe he rose from the dead. I I believed all that that I believe now. 
but I haven't always been saved. I believed it as fact. There came a time in my life when I trusted that truth for the destiny of my soul. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I shall be saved. What does that mean? That means to trust, to rely on, to depend on. In a few minutes, this service will be over. You'll get up out of your seat, fellowship a little bit, I hope. You go get in your car and go to your, go eat or wherever you go. Let's say I need to go on a trip and I'm going to fly. Not many people are, not many people are flying now, are they? Well, let's say I'm going on a trip and I, I go, I uh, go over to Asheville and I get me a ticket. Say I need to go to Texas. I get me an airline ticket on a plane that's going to Texas. And I say such and such a time, I'm going to Texas. I'm going to fly. I've got a ticket. So on that particular day, I get in my car, my pickup, and I drive over to the airport and park and get out and go in the airport. Plane comes in, they announce my flight number. Look at my ticket, there's my flight number. Someone sat beside him and they said, where are you going? I'm going to Texas. I've got the ticket. Flight number comes in, they announce, everybody board, everybody board this certain flight to Texas. The fellow said, isn't that your flight? Yes, sir, it's my flight, I've got the ticket. I'm going to Texas. He said, you're not going to Texas if you don't get on that plane. That plane's getting ready to leave. Listen, I can sit there from now on with that ticket in my hand, believing that I've got the ticket, believing that plane's going to Texas. I'll never get, it. I'll never get to Texas until I go get on the airplane. A person can believe every word of this Bible, believe all the facts of the Bible, there comes a point in your life you say, Lord, I'm willing to face eternity. I'm willing to trust my eternal destiny in what you've done for him. I believe you died on that cross for me. You rose from the dead. You paid my debt of sin. I've got to lay down and die, but I'm going to trust you to get me to heaven on what you promised. I'm depending on it. I'm relying on it. That's my ticket. That's my hope. I'm not depending on me, my good works, my church membership, my baptism, my nothing. I'm depending on nothing else except Jesus Christ and his work on that cross, his resurrection. That's what I'm trusting. That's what I'm relying on. That's what I'm depending on. And God says, you come on. That's all you need. You don't have to worry. You'll land safely on heaven's shore. I guarantee it absolutely. 100%, if you'll depend on Jesus Christ and trust Him and Him alone and nothing other than Him, I can guarantee you positively 100% you'll get to heaven. You don't have to worry about it. You'll make it. It's by our heads.